I'm Laura Zach. And I'm Brittany Ashley. And welcome to Sicker Sadder World, a podcast where we rewatch episodes of Daria and relate it to our current world. You guys, it's great to see you again. Thanks for showing up. Showing up again. Episode two. The second episode is called The Invitation. Such a good episode. Oh man, this is such a good episode. And it's it's actually the perfect second episode because it gives you an opportunity to meet so many more characters in this universe. The ensemble. The ensemble. The Invitation originally aired on March 10th, 1997. Who was president at that time? The bad Clinton. Oh, man. Oh. <laughs> you just, your throat just like, is such a visceral reaction from your throat. Do you think that Hillary could have been president had Bill not have been I think that's an impossible question to answer. It feels a little bit chicken and egg. Like, I think in some ways she would have avoided a lot of... Scrutiny. Yeah, and negative feelings tied to the Clinton administration. But on the other hand, she wouldn't be known. And a lot of her a lot of her um, campaign was based on the longevity of how long we've known her and everything she's done since and even before she was first lady. She was in that spotlight because of her husband. Ugh typical excuse me excuse me the invitation begins with Daria and Quinn walking to school or rather it's Quinn walking to school and Daria walking like five paces behind Totally. Her. And Quinn says, stop following me. Yeah. So we get introduced to Quinn's band of loyal male followers, Jeffy, Jamie, and Joey. Is Quinn like the coolest straight girl? She's really cool. We, I mean, I don't want to give anything away that we're about to talk about in three minutes, but she's a little poly. Oh my God. Yeah. I wrote that down too. She's a woman ahead of her time. She is a polyamorous high schooler. So then uh, we're in art class and Brittany, who we met in the first episode, and Daria are next to each other are learning perspective, uh, art perspective. The catalyst of the episode is Brittany asking Daria for help because Daria's smart um, and she teaches Brittany in her own language, which is basically about shopping, which I really found as an interesting characteristic in the 90s that people gave to popular girls that they like to shop like for instance Sharon clueless that was her main characteristic and that was held against her but i found it interesting if we're talking about some sort of like systemic issues which we love to do totally i love i love dissecting systemic issues it's that okay so shopping is obviously equated with money and having money which means that you can't ever really be popular if you don't have money And this is something that I remember when getting made fun of for not having real Adidas shoes, you know, like having one extra stripe on your shoe. It was just really interesting how money 
tends to weigh you down. And so that's just another systemic issue in the way of social lack acceptance. Of, lack of money. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. I went to a boarding school and I was a financial aid. I was a scholarship student at a fancy prep school and I experienced that to the extreme. Like there was literally someone on my field hockey team. Oh, God. Yeah. I played on the same field hockey team with this girl named Alex who told me that every new J. Crew catalog that came out, she was allowed $700 per catalog, but if she was having a hard week, she could go over. Wait, like her parents would? Yeah. Per, oh, my God. Per, and you, do you remember how often those things came out? Maybe they didn't come to your I, house. Listen, I have never owned a piece of clothing from J. Crew. <laughs> that was never my scene. That will never be my scene. <laughs> I'm not in that crew. Ugh, I feel like this process is really going to reveal a lot of differences about our, yeah. our our high school time. I think so as well, because two weekends ago, was it? We found out that out of like 10 girls, 10 women. <laughs> I didn't want to call us girls. What was it like a couple weekends ago that we found out that out of like 10 women, I was the only one to have attended public school all the way through high school? Well... Yeah, I don't know what to say about that. <laughs> in, this, in this second episode, we see a little more of Kevin, and we meet his friend Mac, who hates being called Mac Daddy, um, who is a really smart black guy who is basically the foil to Kevin's uh, stupidity. Oh, yeah, he doesn't at all conceal his disdain for Kevin. Yeah, I think that basically they're just on the football team together, and so Mac has to deal with him. Yeah, and is Kevin the captain? I feel like he has some sort of hierarchy. He's the QB. All right. But also... Quarterback. (laughs) In this episode, I also noticed, just in general, people being pretty horrible to each other. Oh, totally. They're so mean to each other Mm -hmm. in the show. And I can't tell if that is more extreme than I remember from my own experience because of amping the drama for a television show, or were people more direct when there were less ways to be passively awful to each other? Like, through phones and social media? Oh, that actually is an interesting element. Yeah, because AOL Instant Messenger was a big thing when I was in high school, and so... You were younger than me. Not very much. Still, I was slightly before that, but go ahead. But I think pre-technology where you can talk shit behind people's backs, and especially cyberbullying is something where you can say a bunch of really horrible shit to someone and not really feel the consequence of seeing their face when you say it. I think it is interesting to see like a pre-aim world. Right, but doesn't it almost seem like people are saying more awful things to each other's face e- faces even though they can see each other's faces? Well, I think that in this show, I think it's it's probably the same things that are being said, but it's just as the audience, we get to hear everything. To weigh in on Quinn this episode, we have another segment of Quinn the Feminist with Gabby Dunn. We open on Quinn treating men exactly how they should be treated to the point that she doesn't even know Joffrey's name. I assume it's Joffrey. I'm not going to bother to learn his name either in Quinn's honor. Um, The next time we see her, she 
basically describes polyamory. She doesn't want to choose one boyfriend. She wants to go out with all of them. They all ask her out. And she, uh, after, you know, they carry her stuff to school for her, she decides to go out with all of them. (laughs) Equating uh, having a relationship with a man to giving a burnt pancake to a dog, which is incredible. Uh, then later on in the episode, of course, she breaks up with the three guys and she says, you all deserve a girlfriend three actually, which not necessarily in keeping with the polyamorous tone of this episode. Um, she breaks up with them cause she feels pressured and she doesn't want to do anything that she doesn't want to do, which is an incredible role model actually for young women, even though Quinn is supposed to be silly. She also thinks friendship means that they, quote, pay attention to her, buy her stuff, and drive her places, which made me laugh out loud because that is what the boys later say is just them being friends. Um, And it's almost like Quinn has repurposed the friend zone and taken it back where uh, these guys are just going to do stuff for her and she's decided that they're not dating. It's incredible, actually. It's aspirational. Uh, My follow-up question is, are all of these guys into each other? Like, what's the deal? Were they all just going to bone together? Their plan was to quadruple marry her? I mean, were they all getting along? It seemed like they were friends with each other before they started fighting at the end. And then is the fighting some sort of homoerotic thing that Quinn is getting off on watching? Because she smiles and is excited that they're fighting over her. I don't know. Uh, Either way, I'm glad that Quinn has her pick of the litter. And that she doesn't just decide to go with whatever guy's into her. So kudos, Quinn. Feminism. Not just because we have the same name or anything, but Brittany's just really pure. Well, at first, at the beginning of that scene, I was thinking, oh, their their friendship is kind of sweet, actually. But then when you actually, but, but then when you listen to what they say to each other, they're both little shitheads to each other (laughs) like what is the thing that Brittany says we have so much in common and then daria says like breathing yeah (laughs) well yeah like the the funny thing about Brittany is that she's one of the people in the universe that doesn't catch on to daria's sarcasm or insults and so she's not affected by them at all which is really sweet and so Brittany invites daria to her party just this once though because she told all the other cheerleaders she wouldn't invite any more popular girls or attractive girls to the party. So they're basically like speaking in subtext, but not really. Yeah, Brittany is being an asshole. Yeah, so Daria is being one back. Such an earnest way. But Daria is always an asshole, but in a really lovable way. Right. And the thing is, is that Brittany doesn't realize she's being an asshole, but Daria does. So it's, if we're talking about intention. Who's the bigger asshole? Daria. She sees she sees a vulnerable she sees weakness and and she's using it and exploiting it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, she's invited to this party, um, which obviously is the same one that Quinn has been invited to by multiple people. Right. The scene where Daria tells Jane that she was invited to Britney's party is interesting because there's like a subtle eyebrow lift on Jane that suggests like Oh, are you going to abandon me to, like, go to this cool kid's party? Oh, I missed that. Really? Oh, I was looking for it. I mean, I think I always look for, like, a romantic tension between two female best friends. When I was re-watching it, you know, as an adult, I was wondering, like, oh, did they add in, like, sexual tension between these two? 
No, I actually had that same thought, but in later scenes that we'll get to where they both call each other out on acting differently around boys they have crushes on. Like they're both super keyed in to Mm -hmm. how the other one acts when they're interested in someone. Which is definitely like a kind of queer thing to do. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, it's like... Oh, hey, I, I can look into your soul and see that you're you're feeling this thing. Or even, like, that I care about what you're doing. Right, right. But there is a moment where they kind of sit in indecision if they want to go, and Jane says that she thinks she can get some pretty good sketches out of it, which is just, like, a funny image of her going there to, like, sketch a bunch of people. Yeah, it's also the first time that Daria has seen her art, seen Jane's art, which feels like a pretty major moment. And it's, 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 uh, nudes. Oh, I, I, how she did said, I not see that? Well, she, she, she did a play on words about breasts. Mm-hmm. She said, oh, they're bursting and some of them have had a burst job. This, oh yeah, a burst job. This scene was filled with innuendo. Absolutely. Is it weird? Speaking of shipping people, this is going to sound really weird and you can cut this if you need to, but. I had a thought during this episode, you know, do you ever watch cartoons and you kind of imagine that it, you're watching it as a live action yeah. and that the cartoon characters are cartoon actors? Sometimes. Is this getting into a conversation about animated porn? No, I just had a moment where I shipped the actors playing Quinn and Daria. Quinn and Daria? Wait, the Quint- actors playing <laughs> Quinn and Daria. Not sisters, the cartoon actors hired to play. Did you see beyond their, like, very minimal facial expressions? I just think it's something about their contentious dynamic. Yeah. It feels Only tension to sisters that are hot for each other can have. Okay, again... Not saying that I feel... I'm not shipping Daria and Quinn. I was certainly thinking you were going to say Daria and Jane, and you really threw me for a loop. I feel like this is going to get misinterpreted, but truly I meant the actors, the cartoon actors. It's a thing in my imagination. Clearly, I'm already not clear that... Or clearly, I'm not clear. (laughs) Clear, Clearly, I already have difficulty not realizing Daria is a real person, so... Yeah, so... How Jane talks about how she would go to, like, maybe sketch other people. Did I ever tell you the story about when I went on a first date and my friend Adam told me earlier in the day that he was going to show up and sketch us? No. Wait, I didn't tell you this story? No. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Why did he want to sketch you? Okay, so I used to work with this guy, Adam, who was just, like, this genius. Like, he was just this, like, artistic genius. Like, he would come uh, to work. He would come to work on Monday and, like, tell me about over the weekend how he, like, broke into a tractor and then like hung out with Andy Dick and then like so one day I was working with him and I told him that I had a first date that night and he was like oh cool where are you going and I was like I'm going to Village Idiot and he was like cool what time maybe I'll show up and like sketch you no and I like didn't take him seriously because you know people in LA don't keep their plans especially plans that like you don't have plans you know what I mean so I get to Village Idiot I get a table And I'm waiting for this girl who I won't name her, but obviously if she listens to this, she'll totally know it's her because I'm sure this she's carried with her forever. So about like 10, 15 minutes into the date, Adam, I see like out of the corner of my eye and I'm like, oh my God, his table is like facing ours. It's so it's it's like perpendicular to ours. And 
about like 10 minutes after that, he comes up to the table and drops off two different sketches. One is like her facing me. And then the other one is me facing her. It's like cut off in the center. And it has two different quotes that he made up. And one was like, if I could build you a house, like I would, I would lay the bricks by hand or something like super poetic. And and then he went and sat back down. And I, in that moment, I was like, okay, you can either tell this person you hardly know, like, yeah, my friend just said that he was going to come here to sketch us. Or I could do what I actually did and say, that was kind of weird. So anyways, tell me about your dog a little more. And so I pretended like I didn't know who he was. And then 15 minutes after... How was she handling that? Was she like, wait, can we talk about the fact that this just happened? Yeah, it was like, she was trying to be nice for sure, but it was also kind of like, a, oh, this is LA, like, that's kind of weird, like, hope that doesn't happen again. And then 15 minutes later, it happened again, and it was those same portraits just zoomed in a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and then he dropped them off again, and... I tried so hard not to laugh because he also made it seem like we didn't know each other. And I was like, oh, man, that's so weird. And, like, she wanted to talk about it this time. And I was like, ah, it's probably just some dude. You know, he probably didn't, like, have a lot of thing, like, things to do. You and were then... dooming the relationship. You were starting in a, from a place of dishonesty. I know. Um, yeah, I know. And then about 20 minutes later, he, like, did the same thing. He, like, it looks like... <laughs> It was this really, like, crazy portrait of, like, a feather person. And it had hey, this... what is a feather person? <laughs> it was a person who wasn't a bird. They just had feathers like a bird. Can we put a picture of that up on some sort of media presence? Or... I, don't, I don't own it, but I know she does. I know that she had told me, like, later on, like, that she kept it. But anyways, he, like, dropped off this picture again, and then he sat down. And he started talking to us, asking us questions like we were all strangers. So I like had to introduce myself and be like, Brittany, Adam, Adam, Brittany. Uh, and then he got up and left. And then the manager came over and was like, hey, is this guy bothering you? And then I had to be like, no, I know him. And I just like it was it was very uncomfortable because I had to like look at her and be like, I'm so sorry. This really, this joke really got away from me. Like, I just had to commit That's to the bit. That's out of control. I had to commit to you, the bit. So hard you did. And, um. You never went on another date with her. I think we did. But, it, I mean, I mean, I think we already knew that we, like, weren't a match. But that was definitely, uh, the nail in the coffin. <laughs> friends sketch friends. <laughs> your friends come and they sketch your friends. Isn't that just how it works? That you just have a plant? You just, in case it turns into something serious, you want to have a sketch of your first day. <laughs> oh, that would be a beautiful story. Uh, so the scene where Daria and Quinn figure out that they're both invited to the same party is very fun. And I'm, I'm thinking this is where you saw the most sexual tension between them. Okay. Whoa. You know what? I feel like you're not going to cut the part where I said that. <laughs> But I'm going to need you to not make that a thing. I need to be clear that this is not an incest fantasy situation. No, I didn't, no you added fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, Quinn and Daria's sisterhood kind of reminds me of the dynamic in 10 Things I Hate About You. Mm, mm-hmm. 
Like it reminds me of um, Cat and Bianca, which actually came out two years later. So I wonder if that dynamic was a little bit mirrored after that. Oh my God, we meet Trent. He drives them to the party. He drives Jane and Daria to the party and Daria does not say one thing. For the 90s, he's such like a dreamy older brother. Oh, he is a babe. He's just like this like grungy dude. Did you ever date any of your friend's older brothers? No, I had the older brother that everyone wanted to date. No way. So you were the Jane. Yeah, I, well, again, I am the Jane. So what happened? Well, he ended up marrying one of my friends. No way. Yeah. Aww. But uh, before it got all romantic, it was just sort of like he was the super cool, long-haired dude who I was told when I was in my early 20s that I was told by a, a friend that I had missed out on a female rite of passage in my town in New Hampshire by... Not fucking your brother? Not having a crush on my brother. Oh. <laughs> Brittany. Yeah, but she was just like, you realize that you've missed out on sort of a normal experience. What's for... your brother's first name again? Graham? Graham. And... Yeah. Graham and Trent sound very similar. Yeah, he was he was he was that guy. And then I had a friend in my mid twenties who we were friends for maybe maybe <coughs> we were friends for maybe three years before she started dating my brother. And after she started dating him, she admitted that she had had a crush on him since she had first met him, which made me feel a little bit like, all right. This sounds very innocent, though, like just having a crush. Oh, it was. I mean, and now, you know, they were the marrying type for each other. Aww. So, yeah. And now they have a baby. That's really... Oh, the little baby. So it'd be like Daria and Trent getting together. Yeah. There was this guy in, I think it was in eighth grade. It was my friend's older brother, but we were in the same grade because I think he was held back a grade. But he actually had like the same exact hairstyle and facial hair as Trent. Did you have a crush on Trent? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I feel like that was probably... There are certain people that I feel like most queer women I know or women that be, you know ended up being queer had shared affinity for. Yeah, and I think Trent Lane is one of them because he was like... Not super masculine, and he was like sensitive, insensitive. Also had like a rebellious side to him. Creative. Yeah, it was. Yeah. He was a little bit Kurt Cobain. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's even a line in the ep- in the episode where Jane says like, "Either I go out with you, or I listen to Trent do a rendition of Come As You Are.'" Right. Yeah. So, so I really like the way they established Daria's crush on Trent. Just through, it's probably the first time in any scene where we see her not say anything. Totally. It's established through silence, basically, that she's into this dude. Yeah, and then Jane calling her out on it, and Mm -hmm. then Daria saying, I hate you, because she sees that Jane sees her so clearly. Which, honestly, speaking of reading into the eroticism between them, that was fast. This is only episode two. We've only really seen, like... And of course, you know, it's implied they've maybe been hanging out for a while now, but they have learned each other. Right. Quickly. And also, I feel like saying like, I hate you is such like a such a quote that you feel like one of the girls from like the fashion club or like Britney would say to another 
super femmy girl. For whatever reason, it reads really interesting when Daria says it to Jane. No, it's charged. It feels charged. And, um... Because I hate you sounded a lot like, I want to finger you. (laughs) And you know what they say, the opposite of love is not hate, it's apathy. No, it's creation. The opposite of love is creation? Wait. What? I've gotten into this argument with my girlfriend (laughs) for, like, too long. The opposite of love is not hate. The opposite is indifference. Oh. What am I thinking of? I don't know, but you're the one who's had the argument with your girlfriend, so hopefully you figured it out. Also, Brittany's Googling something right now, and I was really hoping she was Googling, what's the argument Brittany Ashley and her girlfriend (laughs) get into? (laughs) No. The opposite of blank isn't blank, it's creation. The opposite of war isn't peace, it's creation. That's where I was going. (laughs) I definitely can trace back my gayness because I had a lot of crushes on my sister's friend, my older sister's friends. But the one time that I had a friend who had an older brother that I had a crush on, who kind of had like Trent vibes, his screen name was Hoof Hearted. I thought it was like a sensitive thing, like he had like a soul of like a like a farmer or something, and then it was later pointed out to me that it actually meant who farted. <laughs> Which actually makes Wait, like, a lot more you sense. Thought it meant who like hoof hearted, like a yes. hoof of a horse. Yeah. Like he was a four H dude. Yeah. But it actually makes so much more sense that it's who farted. <laughs> But honestly, that makes sense, too, because you're a Beavis and Butthead girl. You're the Cornholio, TP in my bunghole. So even if you knew the original (laughs) meeting. I was a Cornholio. I always had TP for my bunghole. And I was into who farted. (laughs) Let's talk about this party. It gave me a, a, like, can't hardly wait vibe. Or like a 10 things I hate about you vibe. Or a she's all that vibe. Or a uh, um, oh, go all night, Brittany. But whatever it takes, vibe. I don't know that one. That seems made up. No, that one's incredible. That's actually one of my favorite films about high school in the late '90s, early 2000s. It's with Shane West, Marla Sokoloff, James Franco. It's about the two neighbors that end up falling in love with each other because they're both kind of dorky, but not really dorky, like Shane West dorky. It's great. I'll let you borrow it. It's really, really good. You own it. Do you not see my giant DVD collection right here? We are directly next to Brittany's entire bookshelf. Yeah. (laughs) A DVD shelf. And books. Excuse. But this party, am I right? It's basically like a hierarchy of popularity, except for, I feel like with the exception of Jane Daria and then that one dude, what's his name? Upchuck. So how did he even get there? That's a good question. Um, yeah, Upchuck is kind of like their creepy classmate that's kind of like Austin Powers, but like probably doesn't ask for consent. Austin Powers who gets laid way less. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Without, Without the charm. The, well, no, what was Austin Powers' word for charm? Mojo. Yeah. We also get to meet Jody, who's one of my favorite characters. Um, and there's I think the cool thing about the party is that there's a clear distinction between the more shallow characters and their more intelligent counterparts. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't recognize that one blonde character who's talking in the fashion club. I think that's, um, I think that's like Brittany's stepmom. What? No, but she was talking about like who was most popular and why at the school. She seemed like a student. Oh, I, for whatever reason, I was under the impression that it was someone related to Brittany. I thought that it was like her stepmom. No, you're thinking of mean girls. No, I'm not. <laughs> 
Her parents were out of town. That's why she, they, Kevin said they were celebrating her parents being out oh, of town. Oh, right. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, you might be right. I feel like I missed out on a huge part of high school because I didn't really go to parties. Did your high school have these types of parties? No, not at all because it was boarding school. So there were no houses. So were there high schools that like had these giant parties or was this like completely made up? I think so. I, I've always imagined so. But you're the public school expert. <laughs> Fuck you. Because you're the poor person. No, well, I think there were parties. I just didn't, I didn't drink in high school and I was actually kind of like a good gal. Me too. Oh. Then the one time that I actually decided to throw a party was the year after I came back from first year of college. So like after my freshman year of college, I threw a party at my house because now I could like drink and stuff. And I had my neighbor buy a keg and I had a bunch of people over for a golf pros and tennis hose party. And I remember because I actually still have the playlist on my iPod. It was like, it was a pretty crazy, pretty crazy party. And I woke up the next morning and my dad came in the room, in my room, and he was like, somebody shit in our sink. <laughs> and I was like, first of all, that's fucking crazy. Second of all, and then I started to like observe my room and I noticed that there was a bunch of throw up like right next to my bed, like oh, no. on my laptop and on my floor. And I'm like, yeah, and somebody threw up on my floor too. And he's like, no, that was you. <laughs> the one time I decided to throw a party and it was after high school, somebody took a giant shit in my sink. Wow. And we never figured, okay, the craziest part is. It was a bunch of people that I went to high school with. We never figured out who it was. Well, one of those bitches is lying. I think it was a dude. I, I, I'm I not leaving dudes out of my umbrella of bitches. Right. No, I think it was this guy who like always hated me because I dated his best friend. And I think he was in love with his best friend. But there was too much toxic masculinity for them to ever explore it. Shit. The first time that I threw a big party was also in college. It was in the house I lived in during college, and it was for my roommate's birthday, and the neighbors were so mad, of course, they ended up calling the police. The next morning around 7 a.m., some dude who lived up the street came to our front stoop with a full-on, like, drummer boy, like, tin drum and batons and just, like, rat-a-tat-a-tatted out a drum line waking us all up. Jesus. It was kind of metal. It was kind of cool <laughs> of him. I mean, it was, it was very, it was like, bum, bum, you know. It's it a w- very artistic way to show your aggression. Yeah, just it's like angrily, being like, I'm pissed at you, so I made this sculpture. Right, just <laughs> angrily drumming on our stoop to wake us up because we had, you know, caused him a lack of sleep the night before. I wonder if that was, if he spent all that time coming up with that solo. And you actually gave him a solo that got him into like Juilliard or something. I think that's just facts. If you're listening out there, feel free to send a thank you card. (laughs) So what was your take on when those two dudes were hitting on Daria and Jane? I had questions about that. I feel like they were stoners. No, they were like, I think they were people who, like, probably call themselves stoners, but they're not. They were super nerdy, but actually, actually nerdy. Like, I feel like the the popular, quote-unquote, well, no, the popular kids would call Jane and Daria nerdy, but they're not at all. Wait, I'm talking about those dudes. I know, I'm saying that there's a distinction between the perception of the popular crowd of Jane and Daria. Gotta, 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 gotta. It's like the actual losers got it the actual losers decided to flirt with the people perceived as losers 
Oh, yeah. So their pickup lines are like super basic, but Jane's like kind of into it. Did you notice that? Yeah. And then that was the moment where Daria got to call Jane out for the thing Jane called Daria out on earlier because she observed Jane being into someone. Right. So like they're already onto each other. But it makes me wonder, like, just because Jane was kind of into it, does it mean that she has lower self-esteem than Daria or does it mean she's like more DTF? I think Jane's more DTF. She saw that broad-shouldered green sweater. <laughs> Ew. Then also, Quinn continues to ignore Daria throughout the whole party, so Daria takes it upon herself to ruin Quinn's reputation with Jeffy, Jamie, and Joey. But the story that she tells is just about Quinn pissing into a bottle on a road trip. And if I were Who a dumb... Who hasn't done that? Right. And if I were a dumb dude, I'd be like, that's sick. Like, they could have gone crazier with that. But then Quinn pays Daria to stop talking. Did you and your sibling ever, like, pay each other to stop doing shit? No. We didn't have a lot of money. (laughs) (laughs) Well, just real. Our current... Me and my sister's currency was, like, through belongings. Like, I gave her a sweater once. Or, like, I gave her... But was it ever, like, blackmail? Maybe I'm really delusional, but I think me and my sister had a good relationship or we just like weren't really aware of each other. But I do remember there was one time where I gave her one of my favorite jackets so that I could have more time on the laptop. But then I remember feeling really bad about it because it was never really about material things. She just wanted me to respect her time on the laptop. Yeah, I don't think my my brother and I never did that either. I did accidentally drink my brother's pee one time. Um, What? <laughs> I love that you can create segues. <laughs> Wait, can you tell? <laughs> because you were talking about Quinn peeing in the cup <laughs> on a road trip. And tell us the story. Tell us, tell us, tell us. Um, so growing up, my brother's room was in the third floor. It was sort of, and it was the biggest room and it had one end of it that was a shared TV room. So it was the same floor that was kind of my brother's room that spilled into this room we shared. Saying it spilled (laughs) is really quite the verbiage to use. And, um, well, the third floor didn't have a bathroom. So you guys had three floors, by the way. We did. It was a duplex, but it was a tall duplex. <laughs> <laughs> I love how you're just trying to convince me you're poor, and you're like, and then on the fifth floor, we only had three bathrooms. No, I said zero bathrooms on the third floor. So when my brother needed to use the bathroom, he had to go down to the first floor. So therefore, he didn't do that a lot. He was, you know, it, when you had to go, you had to go. So. He took up the habit of pissing in, like, Gatorade bottles and putting them under his bed and then taking them down all at once. It's a very Trent-like thing to do. Totally. So most of the time, those bottles would be placed under his bed, safely tucked away until he could dispose of them. But one day, um, I was in the shared TV room section and I brought up a refreshing Gatorade to drink while I watched TV and I put it on the table next to the couch and in the middle of absentmindedly, or in the middle of watching a show, I absentmindedly reached for my refreshing beverage, 
and picked up the bottle and took a swig. And it wasn't my beverage. What did it taste like? You can't say pee. Hmm. Because 98% of the people listening have never drank pee. I mean, I didn't swallow. You knew instantly? Oh, yeah. It was repulsive. It was, um, it was just wretched. It, like, didn't feel like something natural to be in your mouth. I, I just sprinted down the stairs and dry heaved into the I toilet. sprinted down all nine flights of stairs. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I, don't, I never told him that happened. And then, oh yeah, so then you were talking about how Jane ends up like hooking up with one of those dudes, which I wonder if that was like a subtle way to show that Daria and Jane aren't into each other. Obviously as two queer women who have probably been through this shit where we've been interested in one of our straight friends and have gotten, like, upset when they went to go hook up with some dude who, like, we're obviously way better than. They, obviously. Like, obviously. Um, they made it very apparent that Daria wasn't really affected by it. And also they made it that Jane shared that with Daria. Was right. Telling. Right, right, right. The fact that, like, it's like, oh, yeah, you're kind of into my brother, and that's funny to me. It was just really interesting that they made it so apparent that they weren't into each other. Well, there is some tension. There absolutely is tension, and I feel like it's the same thing with that one character in Mean Girls, where especially in a high school dynamic, like, people are gonna go to the lesbian kind of insult right with janice ann yeah with the outcasts or the more artsy girls and the show kind of dodged that or tried to dodge that by establishing that they were into dudes okay yeah they're into dudes are totally normal okay thanks for listening to this episode of sicker sadder world if you want to follow along and watch the episodes of daria with us you can find episodes on itunes amazon google play or you can go on our website sickersadderworld.com and we'll provide links where you can watch it for free we're also going to be launching a patreon so you will be able to check out some incentives on there um, from Brittany and my actual 90s lives so look forward to that thank you for listening we'll see you next tuesday